you, Chair. We are live and staff is ready when you are. Okay, thank you. Good afternoon. Welcome to the May 16, 2022 Civil Service Board meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Yes, thank you, Chair. Members at this time, please unmute and turn on your video. Member Kabatic? Present. Member Hunter? Present. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Member Miola? Present. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Vice Chair Amanfor is absent at this time. And Chair Bird? Here. Thank you. We have quorum. This meeting is virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, you can raise your hand to provide public comment. When the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item has begun. If you are online, click, click on raise hand on the bottom of your screen. If you are in the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. If you are calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, and then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. And you will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. We will now proceed with today's agenda. And at this time, I will ask that if you can to please stand for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisanan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains, Miwok, Patwin, Wintoon peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. At this time, I ask you please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Chair, that concludes my introductions. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. At this time, I have no members of the public with their hands raised to make comment on the consent calendar. Okay, thank you. Are there any members of our commission who wish to speak to this item? Yes. If, yes. Thank you. Um, I believe that we actually reduced the number of hours, but that isn't necessarily reflected in the meeting minutes. So I just wanna make sure that that, is, um, that was captured from our last meeting. Yes, that was captured. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Any other members? Is there a motion and a second for the consent calendar? I'll make the motion to approve the consent calendar. And I will second. Okay, thank you. Clerk, will you call the roll on the consent calendar? Yes, thank you, Chair. Again, members, please unmute and turn on your video. Member Kabatic? Aye. Member Hunter? Aye. Member Mayola? Abstain. I am 
promoting our vice chair into the meeting now, and I will come back to vice chair for the vote. Chair, uh, um, chair Bird. Aye. And vice chair Amanfort is joining us. I am attempting to promote the vice chair. This is the vote on the consent calendar, vice chair. Hello. Hello, vice chair, welcome to the meeting. You have joined us for the vote on our consent calendar today. Yes, uh, aye. Thank you very much. Chair, motion passes. Great, thank you all. We'll now proceed to the discussion calendar. Uh, next item is appeal of the disqualification of Diana Martinez from the Information Technology trainers, um, Trainee Recruitment. Is there a staff presentation? Yes, hello everybody. Uh, my name is Jennifer Wilkinson. I'm a senior personal analyst with the Human Resources Department. Today, I will be presenting the appeal of the disqualification of Diana Martinez from the Information Technology Trainee Recruitment. On April 6th of 2022, Diana Martinez applied for the Information Technology Trainee job posting and was subsequent and subsequently received a notice of disqualification on April 12th of 2022, stating that they were not successful in the examination process. On April 22nd, 2022, Appellant Martinez submitted an appeal response of disqualification, citing CSB Rule 4.10 C1, erroneous interpretation or application of the qualification standards prescribed for the classification. Appellant Martinez's appeal stated in part, I applied to take the information technology training examination on April 6th of 2022. I received a notice dated April 7th, 2022, that I was not successful in the examination process. The notice also provided an opportunity to appeal this decision. I'm appealing because I believe the denial was a result of an erroneous interpretation of application of qualification standards prescribed for the classification. After reviewing the qualifications for this examination, I am confident that I meet the requirements identified. The city contends the qualification and evaluation standards prescribed for the classification were correctly applied to the appellant Martinez in alignment with the standards stated in the job posting and in the administration of the exam. Appellant Martinez was not disqualified for not meeting the education and experience requirements. The appellant was disqualified because they did not obtain a passing score on the training and experience exam. Consistent with CSB rules and examination administration protocols, HR worked closely with subject matter experts from the Information Technology Department who are familiar with the requirements and responsibilities of this classification to develop the examination. The examination was a training and experience exam, which is also known as a T&E. A T&E exam evaluates the training and experience relevant to the knowledge and abilities for the classification, which are listed on the classification specification and was published along with the qualification standards and exam procedures on the job announcement. For Civil Service Board Rule 5.3e, an open list consists of eligibles who have successfully competed in an examination that was open to any person. Since the appellant did not obtain a passing score for the exam, the city is unable to place the appellant on the eligibility list. This same evaluation standards for the examination were applied to all of the applicants. And appellant Martinez will have the ability to retest when this classification is recruited for again, Recruitments are conducted on an as-needed basis based on department and operational needs, and city staff anticipates that there will be additional opportunities to test for this classification based on the immediate needs to fill information technology positions. The city's recommendation is that the Civil Service Board deny Appellant Martinez's appeal and affirm the director's disqualification of Diana Martinez for the Information Technology Trainee Recruitment 
pursuant to Civil Service Board Rule 4.10. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Wilkinson. Um, do we have questions from our um, any of our members? Yes, I, I have a question. Please. Um, so the, I think I, I've only been a part of this board for a short period of time. And it seems like we've had um, at least this might be the third appeal where they don't really, the, the applicant doesn't really know what they're appealing, right? Like they get told that they're rejected and they have the opportunity to appeal. And so they're kind of shooting in the dark in terms of what that means and what they could do differently. Um, I, I recognize, and I think I asked this question in our last meeting about, um, you know, understanding that the numbers that you're dealing with in terms of how many different classifications we're hiring for, how many different um, rejection letters are going out is obviously a resource issue. I'm just wondering if there's another way to look at this or if there's information that um, that could be provided to applicants that we haven't thought of in terms of some sort of legitimate feedback. Right now, it feels like the appeal process, I mean, we could just do without it because honestly, they're not actually having the opportunity to appeal anything. They're just guessing what they're appealing. So it's for, you know, however many in this classification, however many rejection letters, how many people decided to appeal out of that category just based on a, you know, are you sure kind of, you know, response. So I say all that to say, is there any room for a discussion? Is there any room for an internal conversation, you know, within HR around how can we maybe better support or provide feedback so that the appeal process is maybe more effective? Um, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Oh, I do. When we do send the, the disqualification notices, it does state whether or not it was due to the examination or if it was due to the minimum qualifications. So in this instance, uh, Diana did receive a notice stating that it was due to the examination process. And in the, um, the no bottom of the notices, it does state the right to appeal and which rule that they would be applying under. Um, and so they, that is where they would choose which rule that they would um, want to appeal under. There is one specifically for the examination. In this case, the appellant did pick um, one regarding the minimum qualifications, but that was not the reason for this disqualification. And then as applicants are disqualified, if they were to reach out to HR and say, you know, you ask for more clarification, we would provide that because they wouldn't necessarily be appealing. So we can um, let them know at that point. Um, it's just not something that we, because the, re the reasons may be various, especially with minimum qualifications, because maybe somebody has you know, they were disqualified because they didn't meet the education where another person didn't have enough experience. So it's it's just a standard notice when it comes to uh, the minimum qualification reason. Um, so that's why we can't, you know, specifically send out a notice for each person. But if they were to inquire, we usually do let them know what that reason was. Is there a way after the appeal process, for example, like the gentleman last time, um, I think he had actually taken the the whatever the circle he I think he was a tree I don't even have the right language sorry I don't remember what he did but I think he had taken and passed before and then for some reason time went by and then he took it this time he didn't pass 
and then he's in the appeal process, but he's kind of shooting in the dark in terms of, you know, why during the course of that exam, whatever he said or didn't say, didn't translate to passing. Is there a way after the appeal? I, I understand we don't want to get involved in, you know, kind of, you know, disrupting the appeal process for them to get that feedback after the appeal process so that when they do come back and try to apply again, and maybe that is just too much, I don't know, but it seems like there's something about the, the notion that they, that if you don't really know what you didn't do right, it's really hard to correct. Member Hunter, this is staff. Um, do you think we should continue with the appeal before us and then uh, discuss this after that? I'm not sure the process. Yeah, I'm happy to do it that way. I just wanted to, I do want to, I think it's worth having the conversation. It's probably my own lack of knowledge around what your internal processes are, but, um, but I think it would be helpful for, for me anyway. Uh, yes. And uh, clerk, is that okay if we go back to the appeal in front of us and then discuss this afterwards? Yeah, I would agree with that. Thank you. Um, so thank you, Member Hunter, for your input. And yes, let's table that for a moment. Um, are there any questions specific to this um, situation, this appeal that we have? Yes. Yes, well, Vice Chair MN4. Yes, hi, how are you guys doing? Um, so a few things that I definitely want to ask in regards to this case. Um, so you're stating, just to be clear, you're stating that this individual, are they here? Yeah, I was going to ask for that yeah. later. Yeah, yes, is the, the appellant, appellant present? I'm sorry, yes, the appellant is online. Okay. Um, so I guess my first question for HR is, um, so you stated that they didn't pass a training and experience examination, is that correct? That is correct. Okay, so what is this training and examination, this training and experience examination? Are they, I looked at the document that you guys provided, are they those boxes that listed a few experiences that they may have and they would just have to select that? Correct. So the training and experience exam is in the format of supplemental questions on the application. So everybody takes the exam as they are submitting their application. And then based on their responses, um, that is has predetermined rating criteria. And in this instance, uh, based on the appellant's responses, they did not receive a passing score. So the examination and training portion of the applications are technically developed with um, the selection boxes. And I would only assume that the scores would be based on the ratio of the person's selection for each of those boxes um, to the unselected besides the none, correct? So let's say with all of those boxes selected, 90 or 70% of those boxes, correct? That would simply signify that they passed it. Yeah, so, so uh, the TNE exams are much like, if you look at a lot of uh, the state examinations, the state also mm -hmm. uses a lot of uh, training and experience uh, examinations. And to, mm -hmm. to be honest, we were a little surprised that the person didn't pass this because if you look at the exam, the more you know, little bubbles that you bubble in, the higher your score. And the person actually bubbled in very few bubbles. Uh, based on their training education. And we yeah. did work with subject matter experts in, in IT uh, to say, hey, you know, this is, uh, this is the, the entry point. Like, this is the minimum things that we're looking for. And uh, someone coming to this classification should have these knowledge. Uh, and so the more, the more that you check, the higher your score. So they did select, the, um, I would say, half of it or less than it? 
Because Maybe I'm not. looking at the selections, I think in some of the questions, they selected, I think question eight, they selected almost all of them. And the other ones, they selected a few. It didn't give me like, as far as how many, it just had a list of them. Um, so there are two attachments. So one of them lists all of the options. Uh -huh. And then if you look at the, uh, the person's application, you, you can see what, what they selected. Yeah, I saw what they selected. And I'm, because I have to scroll back and forth just to see it. And um, it, I mean, candidly speaking, just looking at it, it seemed as if it would select, it would be selection. But my only concern is that you stated that you guys also included some subject matter expertise to really review these options and selections. So is it written in the description that if you don't meet um, a certain percentage of these selection boxes? I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Are you guys able to hear me? This is Diana Martinez. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. I'm in line in New York for a show that we came here for. I, I, it's just a conflict and you know the timing is just not the greatest. Um, so I just wanted to make sure because I'm sort of a struggle for me here too because I'm underground. Um, I guess I'll wait until you're ready for me, but I dismissed okay. a portion of what you were saying. Uh, Jennifer, do you want to talk a little bit about the uh, examination process for this? Yes. Yeah, so for with the examinations for training experience, may I interrupt for a moment? Can we get Mr. Amanfor's question? Uh, what he yeah. has that we don't spend a lot of time around issues that maybe aren't pertinent to yes. his question. So Mr. Amanfor, can you state your question? Yeah, so I just want to ensure that if she didn't select all of them, all of those boxes, or if she had a less than 50% selection, was it written in the description that if you have a certain level, or if, you, if you don't meet all of those criteria? I mean, what is your threshold? What's the threshold? If they've selected 70%, they've met the qualification or less than that? Because I think that for a certain degree, if you really want someone to really select all of them, then I'm not sure, maybe the description, the job description would probably allude to that, but I've read the job description. It seems more so like an entry and I'm looking at all the selections where the applicant can actually select and it doesn't necessarily correlate to what your expectations are. So in working with the, uh, the subject matter experts in the department to create to create the examination, it, we do look at the knowledge, skills, and abilities, which is listed on the classification. So what they would have the ability to, or what they would know or have the ability to learn. And then in the job posting itself, under the training and experience section of the, of the selection procedures, it does state that responses to the teeny questions will be rated and scored. The exam will be evaluated, will evaluate the relevance level and progression of the candidate's education, training, and experience. And so that exam score will determine their ranking on the eligible list. And so um, in this case, if an applicant does not select um, approximately 50% or so of this information, then they would not receive a passing score. But we do not put the actual pass point. Ms. Wilkinson, you're now muted for some reason. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't notice when you when I cut out. Um, so you, you were saying the fifty percent or more. You have a, a pass point, but you don't necessarily disclose what that exact percentage is on the job description. Correct. And in a training experience exam, if we were to say if you select everything, you'll pass the exam, then we're going to pass right. people that are not going to be truthful, and they will be. Exactly. Selecting right. everything as we can. So, you know, it's, you can't put all of the information on without telling somebody, you know, the answers, if you will. Understandable. All right, go ahead. 
I'll hold for now. Someone else can go. So it sounds like Ms. Martinez is in a situation where she would be helpful for her to go ahead and speak at this point so that we can, um, she can go to her show. <laughs> so Ms. Okay, Martinez, thank you so much. Yes, go ahead, please. Um, so out of, the, out of the options that I had at the bottom of the, uh, the denial letter, I chose number one. And I chose that because I felt like the, the standards that you use to, and the interpretation of uh, my qualifications that you use to review my application were misleading. And I say that because the emphasis of the exam, and, and if you look at just, um, oh gosh, I wrote it down at class code 016221, which is more or less a generic version or the version that's current on the city's website. Nowhere does it list that there's an examination that's required. Um, the qualifications are the only thing that it look well, it appears that you would be evaluated on. Um, and then with the examination, it kind of appeared as um, question six of the, it's not the supplemental section, it's a job specific supplemental questions. So question six, it says, hey, this is, you'll be evaluated on your experience and what was that? I think uh, on your experience. But if you look at questions seven, eight, nine, 10, and 11, it asks you if you have professional experience, which is just in conflict with what a trainee would, would, would possess as a trainee, in my opinion. So it's just inconsistent. It's like the, the bulletin is written to attract the person that doesn't have the experience. However, when you look at the screening process and how it was evaluated, the person would have to have professional experience because that's what the questions ask. How much professional experience you have? Not if you have um, any practical experience, something that would pertain to a training. So when I'm looking, so I feel like it was misleading because if I'm searching through the bulletins and I'm looking through the job classifications and I'm looking for something that's a trainee position, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be my, my expectation that, oh gosh, <laughs> that I would. Oh, so Ms. Martinez, may I ask you a question? Yes. Uh, this, is, this is Chair Bird. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Um, so are you suggesting that had the word professional not been in, in boxes seven, eight, and nine, that you would have checked more boxes because you would say, oh, yeah, sure, I have experience working with a tablet, or I have experience, you know, doing this, that, or the other. Are you suggesting that you would have answered the questions differently if you didn't interpret the word professional the way you did? That's possible, and I probably would have. Oh, gosh. But the problem is that... Goodness. The problem is that the trainee definition that you have on your application, um, that the application screening procedure that you have, training doesn't include any professional experience. It's more in line with the journey level person or a paraprofessional professional um, category. As a trainee, if you look at the definitions that you have for entry level positions, it doesn't allude that you, to the fact that you don't need to have professional experience. So yes, that professional experience is misleading. 
But then also, if you look at question 15 on my application, where it says, I understand that experience on list will be used to determine if I meet the minimum qualifications as stated on the job announcement. That's not what the job announcement says. The job, the qualifications on oh, Washington <laughs> Um it doesn't, it doesn't suggest that, that your qualifications and your experience would be 100% of your, of what you would be evaluated on for your minimum qualifications. Um, unfortunately, they're going to make me turn off my phone as soon as I go through the door to the show. But that's, that's my, that's my, what I have to say. I think it was just I don't know what to think. So if I look for other jobs at this point, are you going to ask me as a trainee to, to come in as a professional? If they're looking for some of the things that they wanted on a professional level, I would have thought they would go a step above that to the technician level or journey level to look for those skills that they were serving. However, as a trainee, I wouldn't think that you would look for those skills. That's why as a trainee, you're under constant supervision. There's guidelines and written procedures that need to be followed. So to bring skills that aren't needed at that level means it looks like you were looking for one thing, but you were looking, but you were attracting another. Because people that have those professional skills would apply to something that's not as a trainee. Okay, are, are there any questions from board members for Ms. Martinez before she has to go? Um not necessarily a, a question, but only a statement that I would, that I would want to say, um, which is I understand the comparison as far as uh, applying for a position you think maybe an entry level or training level, but I at, for this specific um, comparison, um, if the department has certain criteria as far as what they need from a specific candidate, I'm fine with that with those descriptions. If they want them to have those examples, those descriptions or those skills, then that is correct. I think it's, I support the department with those requirements. For me, it's more so to ensure that the, the, the weighing system, system, as far as what your experiences, if you were able to effectively select what your experiences are and what you've been trained or what you've been exposed to based on those categories or those selections, I just wanna ensure that you understood it um, you were able to, you had enough time to think, to think clearly to select, to make those selections and the weighing system is effective. So that's the only thing I have to say, but in regards to the setup, I don't see anything wrong with the setup from the department. I okay. expect to differ, but I also have to go inside. They're going to make me turn off my phone. Um, but I think if you're going to have, if you're going to do a survey of skills, that should be part of of that of code whatever the code is i don't have my paper with me now um so if a person is skimming through there they'll they'll expect that hey i could have saved this all some time if i saw the what the requirements were to sit professional <clears throat> excuse me i don't have this 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 and this professional i don't have it as work experience but the certifications Professional certifications, CompTIA and CompTIA Network A plus and Network plus. Those are the certifications that su suggest that I have the knowledge and the ability. But to not take those, you know, there's nowhere does the certification. If you look at the application, it says education will be considered. Um, you can 
you can have a combination of city work experience and education. And nowhere, if you wanted the professional certification, nowhere does it have any weight in that whole process. But when you get to the skill assessment or the whatever the supplemental um, questionnaires that just kind of popped in at the bottom, like, tell us everything. What is all your professional experience? I have none. That's why I applied for the training position. And I wish I had more time, but they're going to kick me out of this hallway. Um, crap. That's okay, all thank I have you, Ms. Martinez. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Enjoy your show. I will. Thank you. Um, do we have Welcome. any other comments from board members? I was just going to add something also if, uh, if uh, the board members didn't. I think that the appellant was confusing some of the questions as far as the minimum qualifications go when uh, they mentioned that you know their qualifications will be used to determine if they meet the minimum qualifications. Um, in the way that the process is for the training and experience exam, because the, the appellant hadn't passed the examination, they never made it to the to the stage where they would have their minimum qualifications reviewed. Right. Um, had the appellant uh, passed the examination and was selected by the hiring department for an interview, at that point, that's when human resources would review the application to see if the applicant met the minimum qualifications. In this case, I did take a look and the applicant does meet the minimum qualifications based on their education and experience, but because they didn't pass the exam, right. that, that is why they were not able to move forward in the process. Yes, thank you for the clarification. Um, any other member comments? Um, are we ready to take a vote on this issue? Can I, do I have a motion? Chair, and really if, um, if the Chair, motion should be um, in alignment. Chair, apologies, uh, Mayor Hongo and Council Chamber. I just wanted to speak for the record that we have no members of the public with their hands raised to make comment on this item. Thank you for keeping me on track. Thank you. Um, so, um, if I do have a motion, there was uh, the motion needs to have two parts. One is waiving the formal rules and then also affirming or denying the disqualification, whatever the motion is. Uh, so do I have a motion on this? Yes, this is member Miola. I move um, that we waive formal rules for conducting the hearing pursuant to civil service board rule 411C7. And number two, that we affirm the director's disqualification in the appeal of Diana Martinez from the information technology trainee recruitment pursuant to civil service board rule 4.10. Do I have a second? I second. Okay, uh, clerk, please take the roll. Thank you very much. Again, members, please unmute and turn on your video. Member Kabatic. Aye. Member Hunter. Aye. Member Mayola. Aye. Vice Chair Amanfor. Aye. And Chair Bird. Aye. Thank you. That motion passes. Thank you. I appreciate um, staff time for this. Um, okay. And so now we're on the, uh, are there additional member comments um, uh, or issues that want to be raised? And it sounds like we need to go back to the issue that member Hunter was raising earlier. Member Hunter, are you still there? Yes, I am. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know that I know enough about it to ask the right questions, but there are moments during this conversation, even in this one, that make me a little bit hesitant in, um, so is there a time in which the appeal would not 
go forward? I mean, is there is there a time in which we would actually say, you know what, you did um, present us information that appears as if something wasn't appropriately done when they don't really know what they're appealing? I guess that's my concern. It feels like they don't know what they're appealing. Um, and I, it sounds like based on what Jennifer was talking about that we, the, the department has done a really good job in kind of trying to, you know, ensure that folks have the right information. So I'm really just asking this, this group to, you know, is there anything else we can offer up, I guess is my point, because it does seem a little bit like it's a shot in the dark for folks trying to understand what they're what they're actually appealing and why. Member Hunter, this is staff. Um, can we ask the board's attorney to weigh in on this, um, on the process for discussing this item to make sure that it's not held under the previous item that was already voted on? Definitely, thank you. Hi, Bo Parkes for the city of Sacramento. I'm covering today with uh, Miss uh, Audrey L. Anderson White. So I want to take a look at that um, and take a look at some of the Brown Act questions that I uh, some I think a few of things before I can actually opine on that today. So I, I think that uh, is the concern that we are still under the prior item because to me this was we're under the member comments and um, questions item. So is there a concern about that? Sorry, I'm looking at two things, different things. Um, my understanding is we're on now under just the regular comments of the board. We're not on this. Right, uh, yeah. So I, I guess I was wondering what was your concern? Was it Jennifer or whoever raised the issue? This was Cynthia with, and I just wanted to make sure that we were not referring back to the previous item that had already been voted on and that the issue was presented in the proper way. So I defer to- uh, Oh, the I understand. You want it to be presented in a way that's not uh, appellant specific. Absolutely. And I defer to the um, the attorney on moving right. forward. Understand. I just want to know what it was that the concern was. Yes. Um, and while you're looking that up, may I, um, can I just respond to uh, member Hunter? We have in the past, because I'm all about process, believe me, <laughs> process and, and uh, organizational process. Um, and I think I'm always looking for options, opportunities to improve process. And we have on this board in the past um, directed HR to look at, for example, um, when they provide a position description uh, for something that we feel was vague or, you know, that the way that they were presenting it was not helpful or led to some confusion about things. We've, we've directed them to look at how they're, you know, drafting job descriptions and things like that. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, that is under our purview in terms of being able to notice, you know, patterns where things are coming up and not, you know, in, in causing more confusion than necessary. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely the case. I, I don't know that in this case, there, are, it, it, and when I say this case, in, in the case where someone is appealing about an exam, whoever that might be is, um, you know, the department does have a pretty clear process about how that works. And I know from my experience in state service, not civil, uh, not uh, city, but, you know, it's impossible to give feedback on every, in every situation where somebody doesn't pass an exam as to what someone didn't do properly or what they could have done better or whatever. So 
Um, anyway, that's just my input. Yeah, and just to add on to Bird, yes, that's very true. We've had those experiences, and I think that um, usually when we're when we're speaking to the, hopefully, if the applicant of the appellant is online and they're able to, you know, say their side of the story, we try to ensure that you know HR are providing clear details as far as why um, what happened. Um, so that they can understand it. We try to we try to draw out some more questions so that just to ensure that even though they may send them an, e an email or, or notification as far as why they're, they have been denied for certain positions or any examination, they may not really understand it, but this is where it'll be on them to really take the time to come into these meetings to really try to understand, okay, what is it? And we try to make sure that it's very layman's term where they can really understand it and they can provide feedback. Um, and there were times where we've made decisions where we've asked for the clarifications uh, based on ambiguity of some of the descriptions, just to make sure that they do get a fair chance. Um, so that's what I just want to add on to that. I totally appreciate that. And I, um, I, my intention is certainly a brainstorming, uh, you know, kind of my experience in whatever the last five meetings that I've been a part of. Um, so still a, a newbie and still learning, you know, the processes that are in place, but I also want to make sure that um, I'm doing my due diligence to ask questions as we move forward and, and in these settings. And I, um, so I appreciate everybody's patience and I'll probably continue to ask. <laughs> so, no, no, always ask questions, thank please. You. I mean, this is, this, this is very important. Um, I will say it's, it's a testament to the integrity of the process that we don't have more appeals, you know, I mean, truly for all the exams that the city gives, we, yeah. we don't see very many. So I think that's, you know, things are generally working. Thank you. Uh, so this is a human resources manager, Sally Lee. And uh, board member Hunter, I appreciate everything that you said. Uh, sometimes it takes a fresh look to be like, hey, could we be doing something different here? And so we're definitely gonna take what you said and go back to look at our processes because Maybe for HR professionals, it makes sense, but maybe, you know, we could do a, a better job communicating this in layman terms. Um, I can say that, you know, sometimes when we do get the appeal request, a lot of times through communication, the person decides, okay, you know, they've accepted that they didn't meet minimum qualifications after we explained it, uh, or they've accepted they, that they didn't pass the examinations. I think the ones that come before the board are the ones that really want to be heard and so it's sort of like, no matter how much, how much communication we've had with the person, the person is not satisfied. And so that's a matter that comes before the board. And uh, like Chair Burr was saying, you know, it, it's great that we don't have more, considering that, you know, we do a lot of hiring. I think a lot of my checks on average, we receive about 50, 55,000 applications a year. You know, do a, a lot, we do a lot of testing because like 95% of our positions are civil service. Um, so again, uh, Chipper, thanks for recognizing that, you know, and uh, hopefully we can continue to keep those numbers low. But again, it seems like the ones that come to the board, sometimes we scratch our heads too in responding to those appeals. And it, it just doesn't seem right to not give them the opportunity or the chance to be heard either. But we do try very hard to resolve things at the lowest level and to have that communication. Mm -hmm. uh, but absolutely, we're more than happy to look at our processes because, you know, we always think there's room for improvement. 
Yeah. And I, so it's, again, I, I'm definitely in alignment with that. And I, I understand, um, you know, sitting in the role that I sit in, in my profession, we get a lot of folks who also just want to be heard and they would, we've done everything we can to accommodate the scenario. So I totally understand that. I understand, um, and appreciate, you know, chair Bird's comments about how many, I don't, it seems like a, a when I imagine 55,000, um, that's an awful lot. So, you know, I, I do, and Sacramento is my city. I love it. So I'm proud of the work we do here in Sacramento. Um, and I want to be a part of that. And I, and I, and I too also have to go back and oftentimes say, are we doing everything? Is there something else we can do? I don't know. Let's look. Appreciate well, thank that. Thank you. Appreciate you speaking up and sharing your insight. Thank you. Thank you, Member Hunter. Are there other members who have um, comments on this or um, something else? Um, this is a map. The only comment that I have is me trying to log in. Um, I actually was on, I'm not sure if I was on the attendee list. Uh, I, I was on a different link. But if I was, I guess, uh, not a member, um, some of the buttons that we have for selection options are not even available. So I'm, I just want to ensure that if the public are trying to are viewing us from the outside because I somewhat just had an expense for being in the outside. There are a lot of things that are kind of locked. I just want to ensure that we have those buttons and those options available for them to be able to pose their questions because it seemed as if I couldn't even, I'm even during the time where we had it open for public's comments, um, I wasn't even able to enter a comment or, or select anything or raise my hand. Hmm. Can you clarify, you were saying you were not allowed to raise your hand during this meeting or not available to access the comment on the city's website? During this meeting. Um, I think in the, not before I was in the, I guess, what, what is this, the, the group? I, I, I don't know what group, but as far as being a member from the outside, so hmm. let's say someone from the outside wants to watch what we're doing, right? And yes. they want to have, and they have a comments and we have a section where we say, okay, if you have comments, you want to raise your hand, you can raise your hand. Being from the outside, I selected to raise my hand, but that option was not available. So my thing is, I just want to make sure that these options are available for people who are watching from the outside, that they do have access to be able to interact or answer, ask questions or do whatever they need to do. I just want to make sure that there aren't any technical issues that exist that's limiting uh, participation from outsiders, from the community. Uh, good question. Uh, Clerk, did you wanna weigh in on the public comment access? Yes, thank you, Cynthia, and thank you, Vice Chair. I can confirm right now that um, from the settings right now, attendees can raise their hand, but I understand and hear your concerns and we will check in and confirm those settings for the members of the public. When um, I did, promote you to panelist, I was able to see your hand. So um, I have taken those notes and staff will look into it. I can say right now for any members of the public who are watching online, we do stream to our website that live stream is, is available at this time. We also leave our e-comments open. So members of the public can leave an electronic comment. And at this time, attendees can raise their hand to make comments if they wish to speak for matters not on the agenda, I confirm what I see right now, but we will look into your concerns. Thank you for sharing them. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Appreciate you. Thank you. 
Okay, thank you. Any other member comments? Then we'll, are there um, any public comments on matters not on the agenda? <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> and thank you again, Chair. I can confirm at this time I have no members of the public with their hands raised to make comment for matters not on the agenda today. And would then, now that I know that there's e-comments, are you also monitoring that because that would be included in this part? You would let us know if there was any e-comments in the live stream? Yes, we do monitor our e-comments for those that are available before the meeting and then post-meeting. Okay. Great. Uh, well, that concludes today's agenda. Thank you, everyone, for being here, and uh, have a good month. The meeting is adjourned. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.